This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 19th. Great to have you with us. Jim Jordan alongside a man always looking out for the BYU Parking Police, Jason Shepard. That's right. Uh, this tweet came uh, from BYU Parking. Uh, uh, huh? Always nervous when they tweet something. Yes, What's I know. All right. It says, welcome back to school, BYU. Well, you're not going to get me. Everybody, Everybody's coming back today. Uh, BYU Parking wants to make sure everybody remembers. It says, just wanted to let you all know about the parking regulations this semester. We are enforcing all... Parking lots like Don't it's have to a, tell me twice like it's a normal semester. So everybody, just follow the rules. That's all we're asking. It's Brigham. That's kind of implied. Just right? just follow the rules. That's all we're asking. And if the lot says you can park there, park there. If the lot says you can't. Don't. My issue isn't with the BYU parking police per se. It's the off-campus uh, parking uh, homies who will get you one minute after midnight and uh, tow your car or, what, or put a boot on it. <laughs> you know, have you, you ever had a boot on your car? Uh, on any, I, I have not. Knock on wood or Farmica or whatever this is. Maybe once. Uh, I don't remember. But no, I've never. I won't admit on the air, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so th- what that means is then he has had a boot. I'm guessing like, Spencer has. Uh, we'll have to ask him. When he I think Spencer back. has had a boot on his car. Yeah. Yeah. You ever had a boot on your foot? No. Neither have I. No, I've never uh, sprained my ankle. I would just do the spraining. I'd spray another. <laughs> oh, on the hey. basketball court. Hey, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right, my crossover stinks. Uh, Here's your show lineup. Uh, We'll talk about Jason's crossovers back in the day. Also, should BYU continue to be a football passing school, even if it doesn't always equate to winning? What Steve Young said last week that we'll bring back that's really interesting that I actually disagree with a little bit. What Andy Reid said about the subject that uh, Jason Shepard has 19,000 views on Twitter for. And the latest on BYU's bracketology, my conversation with Richard Harward. And, of course, record-setting sprinter Jaslyn Gardner will join us later as well. Let's get us some BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU basketball moving on up. And Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology coming in as an 11 seed. It goes all the way up to 11. They are also first in the last four in. Uh, Fox Sports also with a uh, prediction for BYU seeding. Right now, they are listing the Cougars as a nine seed. Also, Alex Barcelo was named the College Sports Madness West Coast Conference Player of the Week. Congratulations to Alex. Well, if the league will only name Gonzaga players, which is, that's deservedly so, uh, BYU will seek for other means. We will, we will seek uh, out. The league should yes. produce a non-Gonzaga Player of the Week as well, just so everyone else has a chance <laughs> to be right More honors roll in for former Cougar Fred Warner, who was chosen by the Football Writers Association as an all-NFL player. Add that to his all-pro selection. And Brother Warner is one of the best players in football in his third season of the league. It's pretty in the league. It's pretty awesome to see what he's done this year. This is uh, right in uh, Jerem's realm right here. Three men's BYU men's volleyball players have been named to the -the off-the-block preseason All-American first team. Congrats to Will Stanley, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, and Davide Gardini, a.k.a. Dave Garden. Dave Garden. BYU is one of three teams to have three players named to that team. Yeah, pretty good. And uh, I'm one of the 20 voters on that list, so in my incredibly biased opinion, uh, I did vote them all first team. They were first team ABCA All-Americans. 
So that makes sense. Yeah, you're not, there's not bias there. You have eyes. That's why they're on the list. <laughs> and they're the best. <laughs> yes. And on the number one team. Yes. yes. And uh, Lauren Gustin is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week after a 16.12 rebound performance and a 17-point win versus St. Mary's last Thursday. She's third in the country in rebounds per game at 13.5. The Ain't Two Cougs play at Portland on Thursday. She's a double-double machine. She, she is. Incredible. Good luck trying to get a rebound when she wants to get it. Rebound that basketball. That's all she does. She's amazing. It's, it's She's great. Fantastic. Okay, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Lavelle Edwards' lasting legacy at BYU was one of uh, great character winning and, of course, passing. Uh, BYU's known for chucking it down the field. Uh, it's in the DNA of Cougar football. So much so that Steve Young said the following on BYU Sports Nation last week. BYU needs to be related to its past because we can use it as a tool, in, like I said, in recruiting, in pregame speeches for Kalani, for how people see us. And I said, even if we lose throwing it around, we still are BYU. There's something to be – it's like Pittsburgh in defense. It's like there's very few – in Steelers, there's very few places – in football, college and pros, where you have an image that you can hold on to and use in its and its past to use for all the really cool purposes. Okay, Jason, is Steve Young right? Does BYU need to be true to its brand regardless of outcome? Okay, the regardless of the outcome is where I I I can't go along with it. I mostly agree with what Steve is saying. I agree BYU is known for that high-octane style of offense. Most of that stems from the late 70s, the 80s, and into the 90s. Your favorite decades. The 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. And today. It's the greatest hits. Um, look, they're destroying passing records in those decades. And so clearly, I understand where he's coming from because that is what people know. There are people that still believe to, to this day that BYU is putting up the exact same numbers that they did late 70s, early. That's just what they know BYU as. So, and to further that point, from what Steve was talking about, yesterday, former Cougar and current Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid during his Monday morning press conference. Which you watched live which I watched Chiefs fan. Because I'm a Chiefs fan and from Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid was asked about his team's decision, if you remember, in the game on Sunday fourth and inches, they decide to throw the ball. And so one of the Chiefs reporters... With a backup quarterback. With a backup quarterback, and it sealed the game. It was yeah. the winning play. And so he was asked uh, what went into the team's decision to throw on fourth and inches. Here's Andy Reid. Well, you know, I went to BYU, so every down's a throwing down. I mean, that's how, that's how that goes, you know. Um, I was educated that way by LaBelle Edwards. Uh, throw any time, any place. And uh, try to Man, keep a little bit of that with me as I've gone forward. First off, are you still so happy right now? I look when my worlds, when my BYU <laughs> and other teams' worlds collide, it, it really yeah. is a beautiful thing yeah. for me. Not before. Look, look, and by the way, that's not like a rarity. For, Are you getting emotional? No, I have something in my eye, <laughs> and I was there's no way I could not itch it. Is he going to cry on the show? <laughs> Look, that's not the first time. He mentions BYU a lot yeah. in press conferences. Totally. But this is BYU's DNA. This is what BYU is known for. So, And I'm like Steve. I want that to be BYU's identity. I want that to be the offense that we put out each and every year. This season, with, with what we saw and the numbers that we put up, it really did bring me back to why I grew up a BYU fan. 
and the numbers and the, and the deep passes and just the unbelievable offensive numbers. Where, where I can't go there is regardless of outcome. The end of the day, it is about winning, and there are factors that play into that. So sometimes you may not necessarily have the guys that can run that. Now, you're certainly going to recruit to a certain style, and I would certainly expect it to be that style of play, but that may not always pan out. You may have more of a ball control run game, and if that's the way you're going to win games, that's the bottom line. you got to go with that. But, but mostly I agree with what Steve's saying in terms of this is what you built BYU on. If you can continue to do that, that's the brand you want to move forward with. But, but it can't be – if you don't have the guys to run it for a particular game or even for a season, you have to go with what your personnel will allow you to do to win games. Yeah, adapt or die is one phrase that comes to mind because while I do agree with, yes, it's the DNA of BYU, yes, it got BYU on the map, yes, that's like the brand is passing the rock, BYU's not producing the same kind of quarterbacks. Zach Wilson sort of entered that fray, right? But it was a unique season. BYU didn't play a power five. BYU had these guys together for three years. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was the culmination of independence to this point. A lot of it had to do with great players, great coaching. And a weaker schedule. Let's not dismiss that. Uh, back in the day, BYU had a unique value. It was BYU's ability to throw it down the field and produce a first-team All-American from 1979 through uh, 1984 and 85. It was incredible. And then five years later with Ty Demmer. The game has evolved. A lot of teams are passing the ball now. Even Alabama chucks it a million right. times a game. Like, that tells you everything. Remember when Alabama made the switch and it was like, oh, it's over. Like, the era of... The Houston's and the BYU's and the UCF's of checking it down the field and dominating that way, it's over because it's easier to throw it deep and catch it than it is to run it in for a touchdown. Like, you still need to own the line of scrimmage to the point where you can have a clean pocket. But look at the NFL. Like, the teams actually win the Super Bowl have an elite passer. It's just, it's just how the game is. So the ga- that's, that's good because if that's BYU's DNA, great. But what's not good is that everyone else has done it. So, like, when I made my A-list and B-list of quarterbacks, I didn't include John Beck and Max Hall in that conversation. And Mitch Harper of KSL Sports said, I think you need to understand, and he said it in a very nice way. I love Mitch. He said, I think those guys are A-listers because they did it in the modern era where everyone else had joined BYU in the passing game. And, and I agree with that. I, I think that's a great point. Uh, and in this, it's like, yes, BYU should be able to pass the ball effectively. But I wonder, at what, is there any point in the future where BYU has to reverse field to have a unique value? Because if you can't compete at that, you have to do something different. So what is it that you can do that no one else does well? That's what you have to do. Like in business, you have to seek that different model. Ty Detmer, when he came here, wanted to establish BYU as a new kind of Stanford. Big O-lines. Bruising, awesome running backs. That's something BYU can recruit to. It's harder to get the speedster receivers for BYU here. Yet you can produce a Dax Milne guy who was like the second coming of Eric Drage and Andy Boyce, frankly, like the 6'1", 185 uh, white dude in the, uh, you know, on the outside. Has great hands, great uh, abilities, and, and, and uh, makes great plays. He had 1,000 yards. He was awesome. First play against Houston. Boom. Catch. Touchdown. Awesome. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. And game to game is different. I don't think Steve's referencing game to game. I think he has this macro. He's view. talking about overall philosophy. Yes, because there's game to game where listen, you just got to run it. Yes, you just got to run it. But based on weather, based on uh, personnel, injuries this season, COVID, like there were certain games where it didn't work. Houston, BYU didn't run it much with Tyler Algier. He was largely ineffective. That was a Zach Wilson win it with your arm game, and and so it's interesting to hear that because we know that BYU's DNA is that, but. 
listen, I don't want to ever want the triple option here. The, the service academies run that because that's what they have to do to compete. Yes. So what is it that BYU has to do to compete? The most controllable element for BYU is not even on the field. It's off the field. It's the schedule. I harp on that a lot. But I think, I think to Steve's point, though, making the decision, and, and he even made reference to this. You know, he gave Kalani a lot of credit because, you know, Kalani wants to run the ball and be the, be the more physical type offense. And he gave Kalani a lot of credit for adapting for this season with seeing what he had and knowing the weapons he had, going with a more wide-open offense yeah. than, than what they had. And I, I agree with Steve. That is the type of offense I want to see. It's because, fun. Because, yeah. because, number one, we've seen really great results with it. But also, the nostalgia part of it, it is what BYU is known for. As long as you can get players that fit that scheme and that style to have success with, I do think that's the way you go. Because it is what B, what put BYU on the map. And I don't know that, well, no. BYU will never be what it was in the 80s. It's just different. It's just there's a divide and BYU is competing as best as it can. And what's the reality of the situation is that BYU's not going to win a natty. And this year, BYU wasn't even going to get to the New Year's Six with no Power Fives on the schedule. Like, it unfor- the unfortunate reality is BYU is doing its best to have a season like it had this year, which is produce an amazing quarterback and play your best. But this was a unique season, an outlier, because the schedule got blown up, so BYU won 11. Um, in a normal year, BYU's kind of planned to get to that 8-9 mark against a bunch of Power Fives and do the best they can. Next year, or this season, I guess, um, BYU is going to play seven Power Fives in Boise State. I would say if BYU wins eight games, that's pretty good, given how tough the competition is. So we'll see what that means, because you have a quarterback battle, which will be fun, I think. We feel like there are three capable guys. Soljay Maiava in the wings, kind of trying to work his way into that as well. And then you return some skill position players, which is great. You replenish an offensive line that lost three starters. So it's going to be hard to get to that 10-win level. The two seasons in independence of 10 years where BYU has actually won 10-plus were when you had the two easiest schedules. 2011, you play four power fives. Uh, and then uh, this last year, you play zero. So when you play seven, it's going to be like, let's get to eight. And it... It's just kind of hard because it's like, I wish BYU could be what it was in the 80s. I just don't see how it's going to happen. The top LDS talent gets plucked yes, it's from BYU. Utah's on another level, right, in, in a Power 5 uh, conference. And BYU's got to snap that streak. And So BYU has its own issues to deal with, let alone, how are we, how are we going to win? It's like, just win, baby. If you can pass effectively, awesome. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore the Raider reference right there. But look, and I, far, far be it from me to, Win, baby. to put words in Steve Young's mouth, because I, I don't think he specifically said this, but I, I interpreted what he said also to mean that he also wants BYU to be a destination for those upper echelon offensive players like they used to be. I wish that that was the case, but, but, but don't, if but, I'm a top-tier quarterback, you know where I'm going? Alabama or Oklahoma. Right. But I, but I want to win the Heisman. I, I understand that. But, but there, was, yeah. there was a time, and, and again, I, this goes to your point that, that now other programs are doing the same thing. So that yes, BYU's not unique in this anymore. Yes, but Hasn't been for a while. If you were an upper echelon quarterback, BYU was at least in the mix because you knew you were going to a system that you could produce and produce at a high level yeah. and, still, and get looks. I think that's also what Steve's talking about is these, these, these elite 
or upper echelon offensive players, quarterback, receivers, offensive linemen, whatever the case may be, that BYU still be in the mix as a destination for you because you know if you go there, you are going to be put in a system that will benefit you not just there but potentially put you into the next level, which is obviously what we saw with a lot of players this year. Yeah, and maybe BYU can do that, become this top 20 passing offense again. Uh, will it be a top five every year passing offense? I think that's going to be hard given who BYU plays. It'd be less about BYU skill and more about uh, the most controllable element. Because I'm telling you, it, it's just tougher. If Zach Wilson had played the original schedule, he's not going to be the second pick in the draft. He's just not. Like, he's going to be good. He's going to be drafted. I don't know if he leaves early. Who knows? But it just changed things. Yeah. And BYU's not going to have this every year. BYU's not going to have this kind of schedule every year. But BYU can still be good and still win games and have great wins on national TV and have an exciting brand. I'm not saying they can't do that. It's just not going to be like it was this year or in the 80s. It's just tough. Uh, And BYU, we look forward to BYU's first game, which is in how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 226. 226. It still feels a little ways away. I'll be honest. In Vegas. It feels far away, yet it feels like it could be tomorrow. No, it doesn't. Our question of the day. Is Steve Young correct? Everyone's like, that got a laugh from the studio audience. Yeah. Uh, Is Steve Young correct? In most cases, yes, right? Does BYU football need to remain true to the BYU brand regardless of the outcome of games? Let's hear from you and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and the gram. TX Grin on Twitter. You lost me at regardless. BYU football needs to remain true to the BYU brand in order to generate positive outcomes of the games. So, yeah, if you swing the other way, and I'm not a, a, I don't like doing the polarizing thing, but would you run the triple hot? No, right? No. No. Uh, But BYU BYU can have success and maintain its brand. Uh, I'm just, yeah, regardless of outcome, that's, that's a little tougher. But BYU can still win a bunch of games and... Hopefully at some point get a 10-win season when you're still playing five or six power fives. That will be the true outcome of the next step for BYU. Because these teams that built BYU didn't have to play these schedules. True. They just didn't. It's, it's just and, different And time. that's why BYU won a lot of games. It was awesome, man. Don't get me wrong. Coming up, is BYU basketball underseeded in bracketology? Okay. And my conversation with big man Richard Harward. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as the coach and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, talk with players and coaches uh, from the team. They'll be looking back on the B-Area sweep. They'll be previewing Portland and Pepperdine, plus Deep Blue with Caleb Lohner, and then Richard Harward in the film room tonight with Jerem Jordan. That's uh, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Yeah, more Richard Harward coming up in a moment. Uh, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jason Shepard, Jerem Jordan, great to have you. Richard Harward took uh, over the San Francisco game, scoring 13 points and grabbing 11 rebounds in just 19 minutes. That's like a typical pickup game for Jason. <laughs> but for Richard, it was awesome, man. Uh, BYU came back in the second half. It was great. Yet the announcers still couldn't figure out Richard's last name, calling him Harwood. Uh, what does Richard think of this? Here's my conversation with Big Rich on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Richard, in both games, they were calling you Harwood. Are you okay with that? Okay, it's a hard word. And also, okay, I've heard this. Don't, whoever's calling me Richie, don't call me Richie. Like, I've never gone by Richie in my life. 
<laughs> no Richie. No little Richie. No. Okay, now no, Big no. Rich? Uh, that's like uh, Big Rich is what I've always gone by in basketball. But, like, yeah, my family never has called me Rich. Like, that's just a basketball thing. <laughs> yeah, so Richard, very, very formal, right? Yeah. Yeah, Richard. Yeah. Okay, so 19 minutes played, but you go 13 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, that was incredible. What clicked for you against San Francisco Saturday? Um, just a few things. Like, I put a little bit more focus into going for rebounds, and that kind of I felt like that kind of got me into a bit more of a groove, a bit more of a, like, pattern. St. Mary's was a lot more of a physical game, and it's just like I felt like I was focusing on the wrong things. But then going into San Francisco, is like, hey, I'm just going to get boards, try to find an open man, try to get those energy plays, and that's kind of what flipped for me. Get bored. I like that. But like a rebound, not disengage. Yeah, right? get, get the rebound, yeah. Get bored. We need to make shirts. Yeah, we'll make shirts. Bored. Best Locker Room America, get bored. I like it. I like it. You're known as an energy guy, but it felt like you were making plays and then the bench was really reacting to you. Like Matt Harms was all the day – all the way down on the ground, which is a long way to go for him. But those guys were <laughs> those guys were pumped. Felt like you fed off of each other. Oh, for real! Like that's one of the things I love about this team is how everyone kind of everyone kind of feeds off of each other in the locker room and like on the court. And it's just like we don't have fans in the arena, so there's just a special feeling that you know it's just like, hey, the only guys who can give you that energy that usually comes from fans is your teammates. And these guys really kind of stepped up and like after making those plays, and you can like. It's kind of a downer if you, like, get a nice play and it's just, like, silence. It's like, okay, well, that was fun. But, like, when you look over and you see your teammates, like, hyping you up, it's like, okay, finally, let's go. Is it like AAU type? Because you didn't have a ton of fans in those games. You'd be traveling somewhere and maybe some parents would be there or whatnot. Is it is it sort of feel like that really, again? Yeah, there's a really similar vibe to, like, AAU or just even, like, high school at times just because no one's in there, just, like, cameras, and then it's just – it's great because you can hear the coaches and you can hear what like the calls are pretty easily, but it's just definitely the same kind of low-key vibe. Okay, speaking of Orem, I had aunts and uncles go there. Obviously, there have been a lot of great Orem Tigers. Who's the greatest Orem Tiger basketball player? Greatest Orem Tiger basketball player? Well, myself excluded. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm not sure. Dal- I think Dalton was one of like one of the better ones to come out. Like, I love playing with him and like – uh, Dalton Nixon was the one that, like, when I was coming up through, he was kind of, like, the, a couple years older than me. Yeah. So, like, I was able to play around him, so that's why I feel like he's one of the better ones to come out of him. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, last five games, you've uh, elevated to about 10 a game and six rebounds. What has changed for you in the last five? Uh, I've talked about in the past. I kind of felt like I've finally hit my rhythm. I feel like I've been able to adjust a little bit. It was weird with a year and a half off and – with all the COVID random stuff going on. But I felt like I've been able to really adjust and, like, hit my groove. Over the weekend, you did something as a team that BYU didn't do last year, which is wild because everything was awesome last year, right? You won at St. Mary's in San Francisco. That that didn't happen last year. So what does that say about this particular group? Um, this group, what I'll say is, like, we may not be as, like, I don't know, we may not be as – uh offensively talented or mesh that way offensively but we are just a group of tough hard-working guys and coach always talks about we know how to deal with stress we know how to deal with things going sideways and we just keep fighting and i know that no matter what happens the guy next to me is not going to quit he's going to keep fighting as well and that really helps the energy on the floor knowing it's like hey we're winning this even if we're down eight with a few minutes left like we're going to win 
How do you feel about how the season's gone so far? 11-3, and three and the three losses are, like, respectable, right? Obviously, Gonzaga and, uh, you know, Boise State and USC, three teams that uh, until, like, Friday had only were, like, 35-3, and three, so they were pretty good. How do you feel about it? Uh, like, I actually feel really good about what our team has done this year. Like, obviously, we have a lot more to grow. We have a lot more development to do. But just watching our progression from just the summer to now – and watching how much we've grown as a team, I'm so excited for what we're going to end up as at the, towards the end of the season. COVID's been awful in a lot of ways, but it feels like it's brought this team together in a unique way, kind of like it did for the football team. How has that manifested itself in terms of helping the team come together? Uh, it's because of the frustration. And like I mentioned, like uh, you can actually hear your bench talking when you're on the floor. Before, when there's fans screaming, you can't really hear them that much. But being able to hear them when you're on the court and then off the court, We've dealt with a lot of frustration. We had that like three-week period where we didn't have games or games were getting delayed or pushed back. And everyone just kept kind of grinding through it and just working through that frustration. And we finally started to see a little bit of success. And uh, at 11-3, and three, a lot of success, right? I assume you're one of the most, if not the most vocal on the bench when you're not on the court. So when you're on the court, who's the most vocal on the bench? Oh, when we're on the bench, Matt Harms. Definitely. I think Matt Harms or uh, Gideon George is another one. I, I love that kid. He's, I always hear him. If I ever take a shot, I hear him yelling, best shooter. He's a stud. <laughs> <laughs> there was a play uh, against San Francisco where Alex Barcelo got fouled and kind of pushed a little bit out of bounds. He kind of ran deep into the bench. He came back. Mark kind of coaches him for a minute, and it's kind of serious. And then on TV, they cut to Gideon George, and he's just laughing. And I was like, yeah. this guy's always laughing. Like, he's always in a good he's mood, right? Always, always in a good mood. Like, we always joke about it just because, like, with his accent, and he laughs so much that half the time you can't understand what he's saying when he's laughing. <laughs> just so hard while he's talking. And I, and I love that because, I like, you have a dude from the Netherlands. You have a dude from Nigeria. You have junior college guys, you know, Gideon and Spencer. And you have talented freshmen like Caleb Lohner and other – like, what's the glue here? How, how does this come together? Is it Mark Pope? Is it the staff? Is it the players? Like, what is it? Uh, I feel like it's Coach Pope has done a great job of getting everyone to buy into the same mentality that, like, we're, like we're brothers. We're here to win together. And you've got to worry about the right things to win. And I feel like that's what Pope has done a great job of instilling in each of us, that idea of you could go and try to score 20, 30 points a game and lose, and then nobody cares and you're mad at your teammates and you're having a terrible time, but, hey, you're getting your 20 points a game. But everyone on this team kind of recognizes what's most important is winning and making a play for your teammate, and it's more special when you make that team uh, that play for your teammate and then you guys win. Yeah, it's certainly working, and we saw that last year and now into this year. In the uh, deep blue that aired last week on you, uh, you talked about growing up, uh, you know, you're a little, little chubbier when you were younger, and that – you wanted right. to prove you were a D1 basketball player. You've done that. So what drives you now? No, I keep driving that. Like, I'm not done yet. Like, <laughs> I, it kind of sticks with you when you're kind of growing and developing and, like, you're a kid and everyone's always telling you you're, like, too fat, you're not going to do it. And, like, there's always new heights I want to reach. I always want to prove them even more wrong, just, like, get to the point that they can say, like, hey, look at what I accomplished and you told me that I was too fat to even make the team. Like, there's so much more that I feel like I can do. Listen, Jimmer Fredette, when he was 12, was pretty chubby, and he was like the halftime show when his brother TJ would come out. He'd come out and shoot threes at his brother's high school games. Listen, I, I'm not going to put anything past anybody. It's all good, right? It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, in your in your deep blue, you also talked about connecting with music uh, to help you battle some anxiety and depression. In what way do you connect with music to help you? Uh, it's a great way to feel. It's a great way to kind of feel emotions or change your emotions. Like if you if I'm feeling a little bit down, just listening to a little bit more of like more energetic rock kind of gets you in that like groovy mood. Or even just like if you want to feel like more emotional music, you have the blues or you have like a little bit more like solemn music. So just being able to play it. And that's what I feel like I can connect with where it's like I can kind of play the music according to how I'm feeling or I can listen to music according to how I'm feeling. It's just been a big part of my life and it's been a big aspect of how I've been able to cope with that anxiety and depression. If I'm feeling super anxious, I just turn on a little bit more like calming music and it immediately changes my mood. Yeah, amen to that. That's great advice. And you said play. So uh, you play the guitar, I, I assume. We saw in Deep Blue a little bit. Yeah, I play a little bit of guitar. I My family had this rule where before we could learn to drive, we had to learn how to play 50 hymns on the piano. Yep. So like, I learned how to play piano. Uh, in like junior high, I was in a jazz band playing trumpet. Like nice. I've just grown up around. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I like. Yeah, I played trumpet yeah. in middle school. I didn't do it in high school, but yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, so hey, they always say uh, trumpet players are the best kissers. So <laughs> hey, uh, there you go. Uh, trumpet, piano, guitar. Any other instruments? Um, like I, I've messed around a little bit on drums, and like I don't know if you can count the ukulele, but it's just like yeah, oh, I've yeah. kind of dabbled other ones <laughs> you seem like you'd be an awesome drummer like in a rock band i could see i could see you on drums i could see that let's go yeah okay uh you're finally gonna play a home game it's been like a month uh since you played a home game which is crazy uh what what's that gonna be like against uh, portland hey, it's always fun coming home like we practice on these rims every single day like the marriott center is a special arena it has so much history so it's like i was it feels like you're coming home so i'm just excited to play in the arena again well, this is a fun conversation. You're a fun dude. Congratulations on the success, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in a jam session soon. I appreciate it. It's Richard Harward on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. You played trumpet in middle school, too? I played, I played trumpet in middle school, That's yes. What's up. Just a couple of trumpet players uh, up here with uh, Richard Harward. You know? Anybody else in the studio play trumpet? No. Raise of hands. Anybody no. else? No one else. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, lo- loners over here. Uh, Caleb loners, yep. <laughs> Good luck with the jazz, by the way. <laughs> the the oh, Utah Jazz? Oh, sorry. I was thinking, I thought you were talking about one of our students, Caleb. Oh, no. Yes. No, yes. he graduated. Yeah, he graduated. He, so, so what? He's, he works with the jazz. Yes, now. works with the jazz. Yes. 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 He, got yes. A, he got a real job. But congratulations and good luck to Caleb Loner as well this week. <laughs> Coming up, Jazlyn Gardner sprints onto the show to talk about breaking her own school record. In the 60 meters. He's legit, man. Is there a trumpet around here I can play? No, please. Place to break? Well, it's in our theme. You'll hear it later. An old reliable bracket matrix is back. We'll check in with uh, the old bracket. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. BYU hosts their first West Coast Conference home game on Thursday. Portland Pilots come into town. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern time with yours truly, BYU's Cougar pregame live. Greg Rubel, Mark Durant will have the call 9 Eastern on BYU Radio and the BYU Radio app. Here's Jason. I'm Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Jerem, Joe Lenardi tweeted out that he probably has BYU underseeded at an 11 seed right now. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I think BYU's probably in like the 9-10 range uh, in terms of seating. And then uh, we've heard this before. Yes. College football playoff committee. Yeah. Oh, BYU's 14. They probably could be higher. Then do yes. it. Yes, what's the point? If you are acknowledging that you may have them underseated, then don't underseat them. What if he was like, nah, they're overseated. Now that would out. look and <laughs> That would probably also be an item here in the Cougar Whip Around, but uh, that is not the case. And if that is the case, we would prefer not to hear that. We, it is inconvenient and negative, therefore we <laughs> yes. will ignore it. Uh, we've waited until now, but I think we can all agree it's been too long. Let's uh, let's bring it back our friend Bracket Matrix to see uh, where he has BYU. Mr. Matrix, uh, what do you have? BYU is currently a 10 seed our Matrix with an armor seed of 9.62. Our high seed is a 7. Our low seed is a 12. Okay, low seed 7, high seed 12. Also, it sounds like Bracket Matrix had some work done. Yeah, uh, well, Mr. Matrix, we're, we're certainly happy to have you back on the show. I would say I, too, am happy to be here, but I am a computer matrix and have no feelings. Uh, that would make two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, according to our good friend, uh, who I'm going to hear in my nightmares tonight, uh, Bracket Matrix... Uh, BYU's high seed is a 7, low is a 12. Which is more accurate, the 7 or the 12? Probably the 12. Um, I hope it's 7. Yeah. Said done. BYU has a chance to just keep winning here. And uh, if they keep if they win out besides Gonzaga, oh, man, there's no way BYU's not a single-digit seed. So let's go. But I, I expect BYU to lose one or two games besides Gonzaga somewhere. Well, I'm going with right now. What's accurate? more accurate right now is the 12 versus the 7. But there's still plenty of time, plenty of games on the schedule for BYU to make some headway and, and see if he can become a, a single-digit seed. We're, what, six, seven weeks away from the WCC tournament? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, Which isn't is it? wild. Pro Football Focus has Tyler Algier as the second-best returning running back in all of college football. Wow. What are your expectations for Algier next season? Uh, I expect a lot of the same. I mean, he clearly, you know, became the guy. He's he's the guy that will take the majority of the snaps. Obviously, he had a, he had a nice season for Lopini Katoa, and it's nice to have that kind of change of pace a little bit. But, I mean, when you look at what Tyler Algier brought, not only does he have the physical ability, but his ability to make moves, his speed. I mean, he was the total package last year. I, I expect I expect to see an, another season of that. Yeah, I think against seven power fives in Boise State, I'm, I'm hoping for a 750 season. I think that'd be great. A thousand would be incredible. BYU is replacing three offensive linemen, their first team All-American, and the OC, who was an O-line genius, and, uh, and Jeff Grimes, and then Eric Mateos as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think 750. He'll, he'll be good. Is he going to have seven yards of carry, second best in uh, BYU history again? Uh, no, but if he could have something close to uh, five, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, so we mentioned uh, in our headlines earlier that uh, three BYU men's volleyball players were uh, named to the off-the-block preseason All-America first team. So Will Stanley, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, and Davide Gardini. Will all three make All-America? I'll be surprised if they aren't because they were last year and they were pacing for that as well, and they are really, really good. Uh, each won the best player of their position, by the way. So it wasn't just All-American. It was that they were the best outside setter and opposite in the country, and Gabi Garcia-Fernandez was the national player of the year as well. And for all of the reasons that you said, I will be surprised if they're not. That's the surprise. Especially David Garden. Especially my guy, Dave Garden. You're, Don't, you're, not David Garden. Yeah. Dave Garden. Dave, Dave Garden. Dave Garden. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the schedule's not out for uh, volleyball, but trust me, it's coming up 
up quick, and we'll have uh, a lot on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Yep. All right, coming up, top five postseason performances in honor of the NFL playoffs. And all she does is win, 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 and break her own records. Jaslyn Gardner joins the show again. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYUSN right now, Kiki Solano takes Cougar Nation to San Francisco to celebrate BYU basketball's Bay Area sweep. Check it out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah, Kiki's from just outside the Bay. So, uh, nice sweep. Uh, Kiki goes home, hangs out a little bit. Couldn't go to the games. No, no one can go to the games. I did see her, though. Uh, part of it was outside of uh, AT&T Stadium. Or, uh, what is it now? It's not or-, or Levi? No, no, no. Uh, for baseball. Oh. It's AT&T, right? Uh, uh, AT&T Park, right? I think so. Yeah. I so I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, just got I, me. It just got I'm me ready ALS for baseball. Guy. I can't remember. It got me ready for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, uh, live on, in Studio B here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Last year, Jaslyn Gardner, as a sophomore, set the the fastest, greatest indoor record you can have, which is the sixty meters. Right. The sprint. Right. It's sixty, not uh, you know, not a, a hundred like outdoor. Then, over the weekend, she broke her own record and now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, now a junior. Jaslyn, congratulations on breaking your record, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Okay, so what was harder, breaking it the first time or breaking your own record the second time? I feel like the first time was way more difficult than this second time around. What was, what was tough about it? Um, I think just because it was my first um, go at the record. And so I feel like my mindset was also a lot better this time than it was the first time I broke it. So so let me ask you this, and this is probably more of a, of a mental question. When you're preparing for something like that, are you preparing to break a record or are you just preparing to be better than you were before? And then if you break the record, that's what happens. More preparing myself to be better than I was before and just focusing on my cues and what I need to do to execute in order to um, get faster, pretty much. That's a 7.39, by the way. So that's like a blink of an eye. It just happens so fast. So walk us through some of the cues as you prepare to uh, get on your mark uh, out of the gate and uh, run as fast as you can. Um, Well, the main thing I always think of is to be patient when I'm – in the blocks or when the gun goes off. And I know that patience is like just the main thing for me. It's because I know when I'm patient, I, I end up running a better race. And then the times come later on. So, But you can't be that patient. It's a seven-second uh, race, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, and yeah. go. But really fast. So I, I, don't know <laughs> yeah, if, pretty much. I don't know if you're a, a smack talker, but like normally when you break a record, you know, you get to maybe talk a little smack to the person. When you break your own record, you can't talk any smack to anybody. Like, does it take something away? I mean, I don't know if that's part of your game, <laughs> but when you're breaking your own record, you can't even do that. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what is that feeling like when, you, when you're done and you look up and you see the number pop up there? What's that immediate feeling like? Um, I just immediately feel very happy that I um, that I got faster, like saw a faster time, or that I I felt like I executed good. So when I see a time that like 
I see that I've gotten faster or a better time than before, then I know that I probably executed better. And then you ran a uh, personal best in the uh, 200 as well, 24.23, eighth fastest time in BYU history. Uh, Were you proud of that as well? Yeah, especially coming out the first meet and already breaking my PR in that, I heard it felt pretty good. So, uh, Unfortunately, the circumstances with what everybody's dealing with right now, it, every athlete we have on, we, we talk to them about how things have changed in this era of COVID-19. How have, have, has the training changed and just navigating everything else on top of, of just trying to get ready for you know, for your normal races, how has that changed things for you? I feel like um, the training has gotten more more serious and more, like, focus on the end, which is, like, nationals or where we want to be. And we have limited track meets. So I guess the training and all that is even more important now because we don't have as many meets possibly and we don't know how it's going to be in the end. Can you give everybody an idea of, let's just say, a typical, a typical week for you? How much training goes into one week for you? Can you give our, our listeners and viewers an idea of just how much time you put into getting ready for this? Yeah, so, well, Mondays through Fridays are our main um, practice days, and that's about... I want to say 18 plus hours of the week that goes into running and weightlifting and all that. So it takes a lot of time out of school as well. And speaking of school, it's the first day of class. So what's the class you're looking forward to the most this semester? Um, right now I'd say stress management. It's a really good class, I feel like. Let's, ho- let's hope it's not a stressful experience, right? It's supposed to help you with that, right? <laughs> Yeah, so. What are you studying at BYU? Exercise and wellness. What do you want to do with that? Um, Fitness and health coordinator or just something along the lines of athletics. Gotcha. And let's wrap with this. Uh, What's the most exciting thing about Enterprise Utah? Where are you from? I think one of the most exciting parts about it for me is that it's, you have a lot of space and a lot more quietness and peacefulness out there. So that's what I like about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes you need that, right? And a lot of times we we need that. Well, congratulations on breaking uh, your own record in the 60 and setting a personal best in the 200. We look forward to talking to you again when you break it again. All right. And good luck with (laughs) classes. Thanks, Jasmine. Yeah, thanks. That's Jasmine Gardner. She's the fastest in women's indoor history in BYU at BYU. That's saying something. That's pretty crazy. I am amazed at the speeds in which those athletes run. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've watched a couple of meets, and just every – I'm like, I, I would embarrass myself. <laughs> like, I yes. would embarrass myself. Yes. I would never attempt to even run the 40. That was Jaslyn Gardner, by the way, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Coming up, our rise and shout-out to an all-time great cougar. Indeed. And the top five Tuesday presents football postseason performances in the spirit of the NFL playoffs. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing.
BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Tyler Algier into the end zone. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the free BYU TV and BYU radio app. You can also download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave the program. Hey, it's Tuesday, so that means a top five Tuesday in the spirit of NFL playoffs. Today we highlight the greatest postseason BYU football performances presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. It's a top five, so we start with number five. John Walsh in the 1994 Copper Bowl yeah. versus Oklahoma. Walsh, 31 of 40. Look at that beautiful pass. 31 of 45 for 454 yards and four touchdowns and the MVP in a 31-6 win over the Sooners. Look at that. Oh, beautiful. I listened to this game on the radio in Vancouver, Washington. I, I could hear KSL from Vancouver, Washington, and I broke my collarbone that day. So While listening to the game? While listening. Like you got no, so excited? No, that was earlier in the day. Thanks, Nick Bailey. Playing two-hand touch football. Number four, Clay Brown in the 1980 Holiday Bowl versus SMU. Of course, he catches the Hail Mary. But he had five catches for 155, three touchdowns. And by the way, these stats didn't even technically count uh, uh, for his season. So he And that play, by the way, was in the top 100. The uh, one-hander, the spinner... Here's touchdown two. And then, of course, you know the Hail Mary from Jim McMahon to Clay Brown, one of the greatest plays in college football history and the greatest play in BYU football history, as determined by our top 100. Number three, Kyle Vannoy, KVN in the 2012 Poinsettia Bowl. I was in <laughs> attendance at this game. I was in the press box for this one. He dominated eight tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, a blocked punt, a forced fumble recovered for a touchdown, and an interception returned for a touchdown in a 23-6 win over San Diego State. He was a one-man wrecking crew and made himself a whole lot of money in the upcoming NFL draft. That was the greatest quarter by a defensive player I've ever seen in my life. He, 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 was, he was trailing yes, going into the they quarter. They were struggling. The offense just could not get yeah. anything going, and then KVN took over. KVN does it again, man. Number two, Zach Wilson in the 2018 famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Spuddy buddy, you got it. 18 for 18, 317 yards, four touchdowns. Efficiency was like 321 in a 49-18 win over Western Michigan. This was capping his freshman year. And uh, what a season uh, that was to finish. And what a, It was actually the greatest and worst thing that could have happened to him because going into the season, the expectations were so high. But he had the labrum surgery, and it went from there. But this was so fun. That 11 Hefo play. And uh, he takes a bite out of the uh, potato uh, later here in this. And BYU Tigers. Yes, congratulations to the BYU memorable. Tigers. Who knew? Two short years later, this is probably going to be your top two pick in the NFL Incredible. Got to taste that day. That's right. And number one, Robbie Bosco in the 1984 Holiday Bowl National Championship. He goes 30 of 42, being helped off, has the hurt knee, does all of this while being injured. 30 of 42, 343 yards, two touchdowns in a 24-17 win over Michigan. Again, all on a hurt knee. Unbelievable. Shout out to Blaine Fowler for uh, holding down the fourth while he was out. But Kelly Smith with the game winner there to win the national championship. BYU did not know it for a week. Yeah, it was a while. After 
but uh, they a little, felt little like different than they how had it is now. Good shot, right? Yes. At it, yeah. What a performance! Our question of the day is: Steve Young correct? Does BYU football need to remain true to the BYU brand regardless of the outcome of games? Tricky T on Twitter. Is this a trick question? Of course not. This sounds like a question Linton would ask. <laughs> he has a name. It's Spencer. Uh, ben, Maybe he meant one of Spencer's family members. Trevor? Uh, ben Peterson on Twitter. <laughs> I think if they stay true to their brand, they will win. Recruits will come to BYU because of that brand and want to play in that style. See, that was my point. That That's where I think Steve was going was that if you have yeah. a certain style that is appealing to high-profile athletes coming out of high school. I wonder if it was for Zach. Did BYU's history play into it? Obviously, growing up, he rooted for Utah. But he he said in a conversation with Dave McCann, Blaine Fallon, and I preparing for the North Alabama game, he said, listen, Utah hasn't produced as many great quarterbacks as you'd think, so I was worried about my development there as an individual quarterback. And he looks at BYU, and he's like, yes, they got guys into the NFL, yes, in the 80s, but like, John Beck, Max Hall, and Taysom Hill have started multiple games in the NFL over the last uh, 12 years. Yes, but BYU's offensive identity was not what it is now when he committed. So he didn't. Well, yeah. So, so, yes, so, so that wasn't the recent. Nine. That wasn't the recent history offensively. Well, like one year, yes. But like 2016, Tanner Mangum throws 32 touchdowns and 3,200 yards, whatever. So, yeah. Okay, uh, our elite voice today, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Chase Rogers on Twitter. Yes, but every good team has to be able to adapt. Different games take different things to win. He has to be able to do it all, not just throw the ball. Love Steve, but unfortunately, Jeremy Jordan is correct with this one. Why'd you say unfortunately? I think we all um, we all know why. <laughs> <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Former BYU basketball coach Tony Ingle died Monday evening after a battle with COVID-19. Ingle joined Roger Reed's staff in 1989. He was the interim head coach for the majority of the 96 and 97 season after BYU. He went on to win multiple national titles, first in 2004 at the Division II level at Kennesaw State, then later the NAIA title in 2013 at Dalton State. Uh, Tony Engel, 1952 to 2021. So we're thinking about Tony and his family uh, after his battle there. About 10 days ago, 11 days ago, he was put on a ventilator. So you knew things were getting serious. But uh, unfortunately, Tony Engel died. Yeah, I did not have a lot of interactions with Tony, a couple. uh, But in hearing people who had a lot more interaction than I did talk about him, um, just unbelievable human being. So. Yeah, very fun guy. Yep. Uh, thanks to today's guests, Richard Harward and Jaslyn Gardner. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Stay tuned. Elder Bednar with the BYU Devo coming up after the break.